All right, you're about to listen to episode 81 of the Money, Love, and Freedom podcast. And I have a question for you. What do you and Netflix have in common? If you're a business owner, it might be a lot more than you actually think. Because just like you, Netflix had to start from ground zero at one point. And they had to do a lot of things to get to where they are right now. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about three very specific lessons that we can learn from the early days of Netflix and how you can specifically apply those lessons in your business so that maybe one day you can become a well-oiled machine just like Netflix. Maybe not as big. You don't have to be as big to, to live a life of freedom the way you want to live it. But you do want to get to a point where your machine is well-oiled. And you can do so by learning these three lessons from Netflix. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Money, Love, and Freedom podcast, where you'll develop the mindset and skills to create a life of total abundance. From business and health to wealth and love, Discover what it takes to live a life of freedom on your terms. And now, your host, Coach George Wang. Hello, Freedom Fighters, and welcome to another episode of the Money, Love, and Freedom podcast. I'm your host here, Coach George Wang, helping you to sell more, serve more, and live better. Today, I was thinking about talking about this little company that you may or may not heard of called Netflix. And let's talk about them for a second. What made them so successful and what can we learn from Netflix? Because I think, you know, a lot of us think maybe that Netflix is this well-oiled machine and everything is perfect for them. Everything is easy. They're huge. They're this gargantuan company, which at the time of this recording, they're big. Right, they have a market cap right now, uh, today at least, of just under two hundred and thirty billion dollars. So they're huge, right? They're an online streaming giant, and they actually still have their mail order DVD business. But they weren't always like that. You have to remember, Netflix, like everybody else, was once just a scrappy little startup with just a few people trying to make it. So before we, you know, judge or say like, oh, I could never do what Netflix does. They're huge. They're so big. They have so many resources. Remember, they started at the bottom, just like everybody else did. And it's these beginnings, their humble beginnings, where everyone can learn something. And so there's three big lessons that we can learn from Netflix in our own businesses. The first one that the first really, really hard lesson, and I've been definitely a, whatchamacallit, what's the word, like a victim of not following this, is that the first lesson is to find a product and stick with it. So let's let's talk about Netflix's founding story. And you might have heard that the way Netflix started was because Reed Hastings, who was Netflix's first investor and I believe now CEO, you know, had this epiphany one day where, you know, he realized he had like a $40 late fee at Blockbuster. And he said, this is stupid. 
I don't want to do this. Like, we should not have late fees. And then, boom, Netflix was born, right? That's the story that's, you know, publicized in a lot of, you know, literature and magazines and things like that. It's actually not true. Uh, yes, Reed Hastings did have a big late fee, but they didn't start Netflix without late fees. It's not like he was trying to solve that problem with the late fees. Actually, in the beginning, in the very, very beginning, at, le- at least, Netflix did actually have late fees. You had to return it by a certain time. So it's not exactly how it started. The way it actually started was the uh, two founders originally were a man named Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings. And Mark Randolph was the original CEO of Netflix. And what happened was Mark Randolph really wanted to start a new business. He was kind of coming out of another business where he was running the company and, you know, he was really thinking like, hey, what can I do next? So he started thinking of all kinds of ideas. And at the time, Reed Hastings was kind of going to be the money man. He was going to put some money into an idea that Mark had. At least if it was a good idea. And Mark came up with all kinds of crazy ideas. He thought of, you know, uh, I, I guess he must love personalization because he thought of a lot of personalized ideas. He thought of creating personalized shampoo, uh, you know, order exactly how you want it. It'll be shipped to you right away. And uh, personalized dog food specifically for your dog. You know, custom-made personalized surfboards. A lot of crazy ideas. And Reed Hastings shut a lot of them down because he said that's not scalable, right? If, we, if we're going to make personalized dog food, then we have to you know, constantly make personalized dog food. We can't service 12 people as easily as we serve one. It's all individual people. And he really, Reed Hastings, really wanted something that was scalable. So Mark Randolph was the idea guy and Reed Hastings was the money man. And so what happened was in March of 1997, something very interesting came out. It was called the DVD. And that sounds ancient, right? Like who, who, I mean, I guess some of us might have DVDs. Some of us might even have Blu-rays. I don't, you know, I, I mostly stream everything because everything is mostly available online that I would want to watch anyway. And so, but this is when it first came out, 1997. And then Mark had a great idea. He was like, huh, like this is small. It's, you know, we could ship this easily probably Blockbuster and the big, you know, video stores are going to take long to adopt this technology. So we thought maybe we could be the first in this market. Now they went back and forth. You know, I mean, Mark went back and forth with Reed Hastings on the idea. Uh, and this is when Reed Hastings realized he had a couple of late fleas for this uh, VHS tape that he, he was renting from Blockbuster. And he was like, man, this is such a hassle. I got I to gotta drive all the way to Blockbuster. I got to return a thing. I got I to gotta look through all the catalog and like walk up and down the aisles to find a movie I like. And so Reed Hastings actually thought that there might be something to it. And what actually happened was they decided to do a little test mailer for themselves. And what they did was they went to a... Uh, like a CD store. I don't, I don't know what CD store it was at the time. And they actually bought a CD, put it in an envelope, and mailed it to themselves. And lo and behold, they got it in the mail. It was scratched. I mean, it wasn't scratched. It was fine. And so that's when they thought, hey, maybe there actually is something to this. So in March of 1997, DVDs came out. Mark Randolph finally said, hey, you know what? This might actually be the product to make it happen online shipped DVDs, an online DVD rental store. And in August 29th, 
1997, that's when Netflix was born. The company, at least. Not the product. They didn't launch the website yet, but in August of 1997, they decided, like, okay, let's do it. And then they got to work. So what they did was they found the product. They, 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 they went through a lot of decisions first, and that's fine. You can go back and forth in the beginning, right, before you actually land on a product. But once you have that product, you've got to stick with it. You've got to put some skin in the game. You've got to put your head down and get focused. I love what John Lee Dumas says about focus. He says, focus is an acronym for follow one course until success focus which is you just you just get in there and, and I know that I've, I've definitely in the past been a victim of this when I also had shiny object syndrome you know you launch a product for a little while then you want to try something else then you want to try something else you want to play in all these different sandboxes that maybe you don't belong in so this is a big lesson that we all need to take from Netflix is to find a product put your head down and stick with it, which they did for a long time because they actually didn't launch for quite a few months after that. And that brings us to the second lesson that we can learn from Netflix, which is you need to set a deadline for yourself. Because if you don't set a deadline, who knows what could happen? You could sit around, twirl your thumbs and just say, oh, tomorrow's coming, tomorrow's coming, tomorrow's fine, we can do it tomorrow, we can do it later, yada, 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 yada. And next month, next year, two years, five years, 10 years comes down the line. And you know what? Thousand other people have already done what you're trying to do and you haven't started yet. So you've got to start, uh, sorry, you got to set a deadline for yourself. And so what they did was they set a launch date for March of 1998, which actually had to get pushed back to April of 1998. But they still, they set a deadline for themselves and worked towards it. Now you have to think about it, right? Because we said, you know, first uh, first thing we could learn is to find a product and stick with it. So you have to think, they stuck from August to April of the following year. So what's that? Uh, September, October, November, December, January. That's eight months. Eight months without having any revenue come into the company yet. A group of five, six people just working day in and day out until the Ashleys had their launch date set for April 14th, 1998. So that's something really important because when you have a date, you have something to work for, you have something to push for, get some people on board with you. Have a person or two who will actually keep you accountable to that date. This is something that I've really had to have in my own life because I I am, for better or worse, parts of my life, I like to be a people pleaser. I'm working on that, right? We all have things we're working on. <laughs> And one of mine is being a people pleaser. Like someone asks me for something or they want some help in this part of their business or, you know, someone wants, a, 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 you know, a nonprofit calls me up and they want me to help with an event that they're doing to speak with for them or do something like that. And, you know, uh, I, I tend to take them on. All right. I tend to say, sure, sure. Because I, I, I want to give them myself. I'm a, I'm a giving person and I, and I like to help other people. And so I personally have had to have always somebody was going to hold me accountable to my dates and my deadlines. Because if not, I know for myself, it's too easy for myself to get distracted. So I've always got somebody who's going to keep me accountable. So think about that in your own life. Do you have a lot of excuses that come up that allow you to push back or not do something, you know, whatever, kids, uh, family, school, whatever, right? 
life will always get in the way. There will always be something else that's going to take you away from your major objectives, from your major goals, from your dreams in life. So find some way to put pressure on yourself. If it's external pressure from somebody else, get it. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I have to have that in my life. I have some, a couple people who I tell all of my dates to. I say, I want to get this done by this date. And they say, all right, cool. If you don't, we're going to rip you to shreds. And I'm good with that. Because that gets that puts the fire under my ass to make sure I get it done. And yes, will I still say yes to certain people? Sure. Uh, to be honest, if a nonprofit comes and asks me to speak for them, I still say yes because I think it's a good thing to do. But when somebody asks me for other things, like when a friend asks me to dinner or uh, whatever, a friend asks me for a personal favor, a lot of times I'll have to say no because I know that I have a deadline coming up. So find some way to put pressure on yourself, which by the way, pressure is not the same as stress. Right, a lot of us think we're stressed. Right, what what was stressed? Pressure is a little bit different because there's two kinds of stress. There's distress where something bad is happening in your life. Uh, you lost a loved one, a family member, lost a job. But you have actually something negative in your life, and you have what's called distress, which is like a negative type of stress. There's also something called eustress, which is like the good kind, which I also like to call pressure. Because that's the kind that gets you moving. That's the kind that gets you into action. And you have to remember, without pressure, a lot of things don't get created in the world. Think of one of the most valuable things in the world, the diamond. The diamond starts as an ugly lump of coal, this black piece of junk. And over many, many years, and because of extreme pressure, it gets condensed and turned into this beautiful thing that we call a diamond that we pay a lot of money for. So pressure is not a bad thing. And if you have to go outside of yourself to get it, get it. So set your deadlines. Set your launch date deadlines. Set a deadline for when you need to get your ads up and running. Send a, uh, a date for when you need your course up, when to launch, everything. Set deadlines for everything and have someone or some way to keep you accountable. Third lesson that we can take from Netflix. And this is a hard one for some people because we all want it to be perfect. But the third lesson we can learn from Netflix is to take messy action. Just get moving. Just take action. Even if it's messy, even if it's sloppy. Messy action is infinitely better than no action. I promise you this because, well, I mean, just no action doesn't go anywhere, right? You don't, you don't know if you're doing it right. You don't know if you're doing it wrong. Even if you take messy action and you do something wrong, then you know next time how not to do it. And that's actually a positive result. So take messy action. Here's what happened to Netflix. On launch date, April 14th, 1998, you have to remember this was the day's before we had AWS or Microsoft Azure or the Google Cloud, basically before we had cloud computing. These days, if you need to start up an online site, you don't have to get your own servers. You don't have to build all this infrastructure. You can just buy it, right? Amazon has, I don't know how many, they have servers all over the world able to hold an 
almost an infinite amount of capacity. And you might not recognize this, but anytime you build an online business or if you're you're creating a course, that stuff is hosted on a server somewhere. And to be honest, it's probably owned by Amazon. Most almost, I I can't remember the exact number, but AWS, which is uh, Amazon Web Services, powers the majority of the web. But that's not how it was in 98. In 98, you had to have your own servers, meaning you had to buy computers and people would, you know, log into your computer from an external source to get information. And so on launch day, they had what thought they thought maybe would be enough servers inside of their little like office space. And I think it was 9 a.m. on April 14th when they launched the website. And within 15 minutes, the server crashed. And you've got to remember, Netflix was hyping everything up. They were saying, this is a 24-7 website. It's always going to be up. You can buy your, you can rent your DVs anytime, any place. You don't have to walk to the video store. You don't have to wait for them to open up. You don't have to worry about them closing. We're open 24-7. And within the first 15 minutes, because so many people showed up to their servers and tried to log in, that it crashed. And then you know what happened? They didn't know what to do because they had all these redundancies and all these things in place to try to fix any errors that could happen. But the one thing they didn't think about was actually creating an error page, like a little page that says, oopsie, we're down for a few minutes, be back soon. <laughs> they, they didn't think about that. So then all of a sudden, they're like, oh my God, someone's got to create this page. So they got a couple of their engineers to quickly write the code and create this error page. And they put the error page up so that people can say like, hey, at least we found the right place. We're having a slight technical difficulty. Come back soon. And so what they did was they, you know, drove over to Fry's, which is a local computer shop. Uh, I think it's nationwide. I'm not sure. Uh, We have a lot of them here in Silicon Valley. And what they did was they had to go buy up a bunch of computers, hook them up inside of their office and get the servers back up and running. And they did. And so finally, the servers were back up and running. And then guess what? They crashed again. And then again, they had to run back over to Fry's, buy a bunch of more servers and computers and come back up, hook them all up and get the website back up. They During this time, they didn't have automatic ways to pack DVDs. They were hand packing the DVD. So an order would come in, somebody would find the DVD off the shelf, put it in the envelope and slap the address label onto it. The printer was constantly jamming that day. So they had to find some ways to slow down the printing. They tried to figure out a way to slow down the traffic, which they didn't. So they had to just deal with printers jamming, constantly you know, fixing the paper, fixing the labels, all this kind of stuff. And it was messy. Not only that, during this time, they didn't think to create... I mean, they thought about it, but they didn't think it'd be that important just yet. So they didn't have an automated email system. So every time an order came in, somebody had to manually type an email to the person who ordered to say, hey, we got your order and your DVD will be shipped by today. Now, what does this mean? With all the manual emails, with the printer jamming, with the server crashing, it slows everything down. And you got to remember... Netflix at this time uh, promised same-day shipping. But how can you do that if the printer's jamming the address labels? So they had to get everything ready, raced super, super fast, fixed everything as fast as possible in the messiest way possible. And they got out the door with all the DVDs at exactly 2.52 p.m. so they can make it to the post office by 3 p.m. 
which is the last time, the last pickup time at that specific post office for same day shipment, same day delivery. In other words, it was messy, really, really messy. And that's a lesson we need to take because we think of, you know, Netflix as being this well-oiled machine, but it didn't start that way. And neither does your business. It doesn't need to be perfect. A lot of us, me included in the past, thought, oh, you know, my website had to be perfect. If you go to my website now, it's complete crap. As of right now, it's complete crap. I don't I honestly don't generate a bunch of business from my website. Uh, I generate business a lot of other ways, uh, but right now it's not through my website. Uh, do I plan on changing that? Yes. At the moment, it's not. Being perfectly honest. Uh, things have slowed down. I had a major website crash a couple of uh, months ago, right before I, I moved. And uh, I had to just scrap the whole website. I moved everything to a new server, uh, a new hosting provider, a new servers. And it's better now. And we're kind of re- trying to rebuild the site from the ground up. Um, so at the moment, there's not much there. So, and that's that's fine. That's fine. I understand that, you know, we have to take messy action to, to get somewhere. And we're generating business other ways right now, uh, mostly through social media. Uh, we'll say social media, Facebook ads, things like that have been uh, pretty successful for us. Uh, but the point is that it doesn't have to be perfect. It's it's very, very messy, especially in the beginning. Even later, it's messy. You know, like we think mess, uh, Netflix is this well-oiled machine, which they are. But if you looked at their testing infrastructure and Netflix at any given time has like a thousand A-B tests running on their platform. And so combing, combing through that data is a little bit messy. They have to try to sort through it. So the messiness just changes over time. Uh, you're always going to deal with mess, but just the mess starts to change flavor, colors, shape, size over time. So it doesn't need to be perfect. It never will be perfect. What is important, though, is you have to take action. And it's okay if it's messy because it will be messy. So here's the biggest lesson from this. If Netflix can do all this stuff, if they can start from a scrappy few people back in the days when DVDs were barely even a thing and they could take this messy action, then it's okay for you to also. It's okay for you to set a deadline for yourself. I give you permission to pick one product and stick with it. Because if you really, really want to get moving in your business, you should follow in Netflix's footsteps. Decide on a product. Stick with it. Set a deadline for yourself. Lots of deadlines. Launch dates. Ad dates. Promotional material dates. Everything. And then finally, take messy, ugly, icky action until one day you can become a well-oiled machine like Netflix and live a life of freedom on your terms. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode today. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And while you're there, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and a review. It would appreciate so, so much. Thank you so much once again. Take care and we'll catch you next Monday with an all new episode.